Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast. Today is one of those days when I really, really wish that we were doing this with video, not just audio, because if we were doing it with video, you'd be able to see the stuff we're talking about. And so, before I even introduce today's guest, I'm going to say to you, press pause, go and look at the show notes, and open up a link to Ana Lucia's book, which is linked in the show notes, and then come back and start playing the rest of this podcast, because you will really enjoy it so much more if you can see it. So today my guest is Ana Lucia Gonzalez-Paz. She's a senior journalist in visual journalism with the BBC World Service, and she's been a visual journalist for 20 years, and she's passionate about creating she says, compelling and informative visual stories that reach and resonate with a diverse and global audience. She currently coordinates visual journalism content for the BBC World Service's 40 language websites, creating maps, infographics, visual explainers and interactive content. She says that she's in love with maps. Well, Anna, so am I. And... London is now her home, although she was made in Colombia. So, and we're going to hear a little bit more about that. So, Anna, welcome to the podcast. But before you even introduce yourself, you've got to explain to me, because I thought that the BBC World Service was a radio programme. It always used to be when I was a kid. So how do you do visual journalism on a radio programme? Yes, I think whenever you mention BBC World Service to British people, they have fond memories of listening to the BBC World Service broadcast abroad or when they were living somewhere else. Uh, But the BBC also has 40 news websites. Uh, So it's like the BBC news website, but in 40 languages, uh, with newsrooms here in London, but also all around the world. Um, So what what we do is visual journalism, and it used to be like, Uh, until like seven years ago, that all the graphics, maps, visualizations that you saw on the BBC News website, when they're translated into all these 40 languages. But then there was a drive um, to create these visual journalism hubs that create content that really talks to their audiences or regional content. And that's what we where we came in. And these teams are the usual visual journalism setup, which involves um, developers, uh, journalists, designers, or motion graphics, you know, uh, designers. Uh, And then, as you can imagine, well, maps are quite central to this. Um, So this is how I got into into maps. Um, So you didn't start as a cartographer? No. So I'm a journalist. (laughs) I'm just one of those journalists that um, I just like learning about many formats and, you know, visual visual formats. Um, So I had to learn to make maps as part of my job uh, because, again, we make maps, infographics, charts. And then I started using QGIS just to make the usual journalistic maps that you've seen, goropleths and like data maps and maybe locator map. And then, you know, it suddenly got to me that maps were so powerful, you know, to tell stories. And then I also started drawing maps because um, some of my colleagues work in countries where... When there's an election, they don't have, like here, you know, these beautiful GIS files uh, with all the electoral words. They actually get something like a 
sorry if I get too technical, but I'm guessing this is the right crowd. Yeah. They get JPEGs or they get <laughs> like, you know, a flat file and then these are the words. So we started drawing and georeferencing things. Um, and then also we drew a shapefile for the BBC world map because the BBC has, you know, some editorial guidance of how we should show disputed borders. And this is, you know, this is discussed between every single editor in every single language. And then it boiled down to me and another designer who was the one who actually taught me how to use QGIS, you know. Uh, to draw those dotted lines and to like not manually but you know, it's quite manual actually and then that just increased my my love uh, for maps and also so just pause one second yes because so, you just said something about disputed borders so if we take India and Kashmir or India and China do you have different maps for the different language services we that's a tricky question right now right, <laughs> actually okay. to ask because yeah you have situations in which some maps are not allowed in different regions yeah. uh so we try for consensus in ways that wouldn't go against the editorial guidelines but would be legal in in many places i know many organizations are dealing with this with the particular case of india and kashmir and pakistan uh, but then everything is built on consensus and then we come up with a way to visualize this okay all right so the reason that we we i made contact you with anna lucia was your beautiful flip book. Uh, we all carry a map inside. Um, and I'm hoping that our listeners have got the book open on their browsers at the moment. But can you explain what it is and why you made it? So it's hard to explain because I, it had many iterations, I guess. But it, it's a flip book or a set of slides because I think at first device it as a social media thing, but then I thought this actually looks like a book um, that tells a story about geography or specifically mountains in my case, shape who you are and shape me. Um, so it also has a bit of a, I wouldn't call nerdy, but a very practical explanation of um, how altitude determines climate in the tropics. Um, and then, how the, the other bit is how where I live where I was born in Bogota uh, east is north um, because I know we've always talked about like north is a societal construct or a cultural construct and how for some cities it might be that the references points are different so it also explains a bit how for someone in Bogota east is north and the mountains are north and from the eight you know from the late 1800s people have drawn maps with east up um, and things like that and then it goes back to you know I, I don't want to spoil it but then how personal maps are and um, and how some routes that you take in my case to my parents house for example uh, shape you and these are like your personal maps that you carry inside. So just on the east is up, um, it's, is it, it's not really east is up, it's the, the mountains are up, yes? It's more than it's rotated. Yes, so, so that the mountains are at, when you look at the map on a page, the mountains are at the top of the page and the city is beneath the mountains. Yes. Um, and if I remember correctly, in Barcelona they draw the map in Barcelona with the sea, which is on the eastern side of the city, at the south. 
Yes, and I think so, it's, yeah. So West is up. West is up in our case, yeah. And in Quito, it's the same because it, it's what you use as um, reference. But yeah. I didn't, I didn't see this until I started making maps. And then with everything, you know, North is always up, you know. And then <laughs> suddenly it's like, but my maps were always like this. And then also, I don't say this in the book, but I find this fascinating. Our uh, streets, well, I do say it, but the streets are numerical. So we have a grid, a bit like Barcelona and Paris. We were built in the French way that you have a um, grid of right. streets. Um, so the streets go down and they are numbered from the mountains and then they go from left to right, if you're seeing the map. They're also numbered towards the right. So you can always, if we have a set of coordinates. You just look at the, <laughs> just look at the mountains. You have kind of a coordinate and then you know where you are. Great, yeah. So a bit like New York as well. Yes, in that, yeah. Yeah, in that sense. So what inspired you? I mean, firstly, this is very personal. I mean, it's a lesson in geography and it's very personal, you know, and I was, you know, I was struck when I read the, f the first part of the book is talking about living in the mountains and the climate and all of that. And um, you don't mention being able to breathe. Because as you go, able to breathe, because as you go higher, it becomes more and more difficult to breathe. Yes. So we, we have big hearts, that's what we yeah. always <laughs> because we, we can survive altitudes well. Yeah. Um, but then it becomes very personal, doesn't it? You know, it's actually about how the geography and the roads and various things are linked to your own family and experiences. And it's just a fascinating, it's a, it's a wonderful combination. You know, I'm, I'm really in love with it. So what inspired you to do this? Because I've never seen anything quite like this. But it's funny you say how it mixes the personal with like the geo purely, purely geographic, because I think um, inspiration comes in layers. I don't think, I don't believe in like bolt of lightning moments in which you think, oh, this is what I'm making. I think this has been probably 23 years in the making. I've been here in London for 23 years. And I think it started when the first time I went back home after moving here, I was looking, you know, I we were about to land and I was looking at the window and then suddenly I saw the mountains and I just teared up, you know, I just, I just felt so compelled by the mountains. And then only then I realized how I missed them and how I missed them having a them as my background or of that wherever you see our mountains and I never had ever thought that London was flat until that moment <laughs> so it struck me that I, I would have never defined myself as a mountain person but how deeply ingrained that was in me and I never gave it a thought until like 20 years later during lockdown as you do, I found myself following lots of mapping tutorials just so that I wouldn't go crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I started playing with elevation layers. And obviously the first thing you do when you're making maps is you do your region, right? Where you're born. Yeah. And then I started playing with them and how do you visualize this and that? And I found uh, this QGIS plugin, plugin that I know is very simple, but it allows you to visualize it in 3D. And then I started overlaying satellite imagery and playing with that. And at the same time, I work with developers and designers, as I said, and it's lovely because it's very multidisciplinary and you learn from each other. And one of them just said, oh, I've seen you playing with that. Could you maybe present to us? 
And I was, you know, so I thought, okay, I'll make this 3D model. Uh, and the night before I had the wonderful idea of expanding it because I had only my city. And I thought, I'll just expand it. And of course, the computer crashed several <laughs> times. And the presentation was at 10. And by 9.30, I couldn't render anything until it magically worked. So there I was presenting. And then when I started rotating and, and presenting this in, on Zoom, right, uh, I just realized that there's this valley, you know, and then that there's a river Magdalena, which is the river that traverses Colombia. And I was like, oh my God, this, I can see this. Like, and I have never been able to see this so clearly. Like you can see the river, the river mindering through the valley. And then I rotated it further. And I could see what we call the Llanos, the plains, and how there's one city that is very near uh, Bogota, but then it's always been there very difficult to access because they had to dig a tunnel. And how you can see that when, when you put these elevation models like together, you can see that. So that, I think, was the second moment when I thought, you know, this, this is a great way to show something because it's very personal. Like, how can I explain um, that? You know, the other thing is that every time I say I'm from Colombia, people say, oh, you miss the warm weather. And I have to explain that, you know, no, I, you know, I come from a cold city. It's up in the mountains. <laughs> it's actually very rainy. Um, so all these things came together in my head. Uh, and then I was following the, I'm not saying it correctly, NASIS, the North American Cartographic Information Society Correct, <laughs> conference. Yeah. I was following it on YouTube, precariously, you know. <laughs> and these guys um, called Richard Bohannon, Bohannon yeah. uh, published this very personal story told through maps, uh, which I found amazing. It's called This World is Not My Home. And it tells about the road trips they, 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 they took with the, his family. And it's all with maps. He's a proper cartographer, so they're, you know, they're much better maps than, than my book. And I thought, this, wow, this is the way to tell a story, right? Through maps. Uh, and I remember chatting to someone about this and just saying, watch this space. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Uh, and that's how it started. Okay. So it seems to me that each of us has a map. In, you, know, you talk about having a map inside you, which is the map of your your home country, and it's connected to memories and to your family and probably to lots of other things. Um, but I guess we all have a map inside us, don't we? Yes, and I think the nicest thing about this very personal book, seeing the light of day <laughs> on social media, it's the response from people, both people like I know and people that I don't know that suddenly show up. Uh, and they, they, they tell me about their own maps. So uh, from little valleys in the Himalayas to others telling how badly they miss the seaside and the smell of the sea um, or the river or their own mountains. So um, this is when I remember there's a story from a guerrilla mapping organization that they made kids draw their own maps and yeah. how there was this kid that drew home, school, shop, and then his favorite football team stadium right in the same area. So it's like personal maps don't have a distance, you know. We don't... So maps define space, you know. By maps, obviously, as are spatial media, but they also, the, like, they draw the timeline of their lives, you know. It's, they also hold time. So I thought that was fascinating to see how, you know, yeah, I was thinking of a, a similar project where kids are asked to draw maps and they're encouraged to 
record where things happened rather than just the geography of places. You know, so they talk about, you know, where maybe they had the first kiss with their partner or all sorts of things, you know, romantic things, family things, sad things. Um, and you realise that most of our memories, each memory is located to a place. You know, we remember where things happened and even things that didn't happen to us, you know, um, where, you know, people remember where they were when John Kennedy was assassinated, for example. I mean, obviously, people of an age who were alive then. Um, you know, it's not about it being in Dallas. It's about where were you when that happened and, you know, how did you feel at that moment? So I think, you know, it's we all have these maps inside us um, and you've encouraged us um, all to maybe just open those maps up and draw them. Um, the bit that choked me quite a lot was the map, that, the bit that your dad drew. Um, your parents, if I'm telling this right, your parents moved to a new home um, and your dad drew you directions for how to get to the new home the first time you were returning. And he included the wrong directions saying, don't go this way, because he knew that you would go that way anyway, but he wanted you to know that when you went down that road, you were going wrong and you turned around. And I just thought, that's just like a dad to do that, you know, and to say, well, I know she's going to make that mistake because it's an obvious mistake to make. So I thought that was really lovely. Yeah, so that, that has two, two angles, actually. That map is really important for me because first, is, is the ultimate immigrant story, uh, migrant story, when you move and then your parents move home and then suddenly you kind of lose your bearings <laughs> because, you know, that's home. You can always go back. And then my parents move a lot, actually. They moved to Canada and then back to Colombia and then they ended up in this city <clears throat> called Tunja, which is 2,800 meters above the sea level, so even higher even a higher <clears throat> and then um it, yeah it's a very cold city <laughs> so it's it's one i wanted to convey that you know that sense but also what i love about the map that my dad drew is that um it begins with almost like a list of towns so it's that generation i think that are, is right. better at mapping <laughs> in a way because it's like you have a list of of towns that i can almost see how they're showing up you know because also uh uh, Colombians, we stop every every restaurant we see on the way, like trips that might be an hour, take three, because we stop here for the arepas and here for the, you know, every, every place has everything, anything you want to eat. So it starts with that. And then again, it gets more, ab not abstract, but exactly that, like here's a roundabout and here's a shop and then this wrong turn. And it's funny because it's actually him that, Took, always took the wrong turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I lose my bearings, but it's him and only him because I'm sure he took that wrong turn so many times that he knew. And it's again because that maps are timelines, you can almost imagine time happening in that map, you know, someone taking a wrong turn and the map saying, no, you know, no. <laughs> told you not to do this and you still did it. Um, so when you go home now, do you get the the right way first time or do you still take a wrong turn always <laughs> but on it's purpose also, i i yeah and also i think wrong turns take you places right yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so yeah they do 
yeah, I like that. And the city also kept growing and growing. So it's every time I go, it's a different setting, which again, I found very disturbing at the beginning. And now I find amazing, you know, that you can get lost in a city every time you go. So after 20 years in London, do you have a map of London as well inside you? Yes. <laughs> yes. And also I lived, uh, as Londoners do, in many houses and many places. So, um, yes, there was this map I made for the map, uh, how say, the map challenge that, that happens yeah. in November. Uh, and it was something like the flats I lived in trying to like put them north, south and, and the, kind of the shape uh, because L London is so intricate and um, medieval, <laughs> totally different from Colombia that you don't know, you only know the place where you live and the place where you work. There's no way you can navigate other parts if you don't have no. the trusted A to Z that, you know, that we used to have or Google Maps. Uh, absolutely. You know, London is a big collection of villages and you know the villages well, the one you live in and the one you work in. Um, but actually how you piece all those bits together, um, I find it enormously difficult. You know, even today, you know, and I've lived in London virtually all my life, I still find it difficult to, uh, to know where is this place relative to that place. Um, you know, with the subway, it's easy, but actually visualising the geography is so difficult. So... And sorry, and actually, I wanted to ask you since you mentioned London, if you had any personal maps that you do? Yes. So I've got to confess to the people listening, Anna Lucia, that you suggested asking me this question beforehand. So I had time to think about it. And, and what happened was I realized how intertwined my memories are with place. So the home that I grew up in as a kid um, was a northwest London suburb called Stanmore. Um, it's quite suburban, and I've got an image in my head now as I'm talking to you, which takes me up the road that I lived in and along the road to the station where I used to get the bus to school every day. And then I've got the walk that I did home, which I used a different route, and it took me down some alleyways because it was a shorter route. Um, and I've got a memory of sitting in a friend's house, which is was round the corner to where I lived, um, about 12 years old, and the friend encouraging me to pick up the phone in his mother's bedroom because the phone was in the parents' bedroom in the house um, to ask a girl out on my first date with her. And, you know, this memory, you know, I can visualise the house exactly where it is, where I made that first phone call with my friend Simon encouraging me, you know, and it's like, um, it's as clear today as it was 60 years ago. And then I jumped to Cambridge, you know, when I was at university in Cambridge and... I live just outside the college and I've got this really clear view of where I lived, um, how you got into the college. Um, and in those days, the colleges were closed 
at 10 o'clock or something or 11 o'clock, the gates of the college were closed and you couldn't get in and out of the college. Except you could get in and out of the college if you knew the secret ways in that um, where there was a gap in the fence and things like that. So I remember all of that. And then I can remember clearly um, there was a market square in Cambridge. And in those days, um, long before we had lots of record shops, um, there was a market store which sold records um, before they'd been released in in the UK. They bring American records to the UK three months before they were released. And I can remember getting uh, an album there from this market stall. And within a couple of hours, all of my friends in college had arrived in my room so that we could listen to this album for the first time. You know, these things are really clear in my head. So, you know, I mean, I absolutely know when you started this project, you made me think about those memories and, um, and they're really strong memories for me of, of place, you know, and, uh, and it goes on throughout life. So I think, um, listeners out there, just pause for a minute and think about that map that's inside you of favorite place, where you grew up, some of those memories and see how place and memory are linked together. And in fact, I'd ask, I'd suggest that it's almost impossible to have a memory about personal events without having some kind sense of place associated with that memory. Um, it's wonderful. So, Anna Lucia, um, what else are you working on? You must have some other projects. I mean, the books, the little books done. What are you working on next? I... Well, I haven't started, but um, I think it's also mentioned in the book that um, during the pandemic, my mom also, my mom contacted me out of the blue with a link to a Wikipedia page saying, look, we have a relative that's, uh, that's on Wikipedia. And his name is uh, Manuel Maria Paz. Um, and he, um, and uh, you know, when I read it, he's a cartographer. And I thought, well, this is a sign. <laughs> and he participated in the choreographic expedition which was like the mapping effort um, uh, led by someone who's very prominent in Latin America, Agustin Codazzi, who mapped uh, part of the north of South America. Uh, and in the 1850s, imagine, so it, this expedition, imagine with all the instruments you needed, and these guys went through jungle, <laughs> mountain, etc. And uh, so my great-great-great-great-grandfather, um, he, he was a watercolorist. He wasn't a cartoon but learned, you know, through the journey. And when I googled him, I found this beautiful, like, um, geological cut, you know, and, and he drew all the volcanoes, etc. So I'm trying to research a bit more uh, about him uh, and about this expedition. Um, so that's one area that I'm, like, apart from my, you know, usual job, <laughs> um, I'm Kind to you know, I want to make some research into the maps that were made, and also because um, I know you you know this, but for me it was a surprise that I put the map, the first map that they drew, on one of these elevation files, and it's incredible how you know it all everything fits beautifully. You know, have the Sierra, which is a mountain that overlooks the sea, and it's exactly in the right side. Um, so it's a lot about like how did they map 
you know, a region that is so difficult to even like travel through. Exactly. It's, and it's astounding, you know, and it has been throughout history. You know, you look at maps that are hundreds of years old and they're maybe not perfect, but they're very close to what we recognize today. You know, they're not a million miles away. Um, and it's just astonishing that people were able to do this. And in a mountainous and jungle region like like you're referring to, it's even more incredible. So will this be a book? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Okay. Again, I started this journey without a format in mind, the, the, the first book, and it became a, like a very small, but a flip book. So who, who knows? Um, well, Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Before we go, um, how should people get in touch with you if they want to ask you questions about the book, maybe get a little bit of advice or tell you about their story? Huh, I, huh, this I didn't prepare for. Um, but I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Mastodon. Right. Um, I'm. I don't know if, if, if maybe we could add the the, the contact on the show notes because yes. I, yeah, I have a a weird username and a very long okay. One. So we'll put your Twitter and your Mastodon links on the show notes, and people, if they want to get in touch with you, can do it that way. Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I love the book. I love the fact that you made me think about my maps inside as well, because um, now I'm going to have to think about how maybe I could draw those. And uh, yeah, I I'm think really mine would be. I think that would be a pencil drawing from me, not a cartographic exercise. But um, yeah, I think I might have to do that. I'm looking Anna, forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much indeed. It's been lovely talking to you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the Geomob podcast. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is Geomob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a Geomob event soon.